Hello, everybody. My name is Christina Stafford, here to welcome you to the Fearless Journey podcast. We hope you'll join us in this firsthand telling of God's faithfulness in each of these women's journeys, challenging them to rise up and live fearless in any and every season. Hi, friends. It's Jamie Massey, your host of the Fearless Journey podcast. Over the past few weeks, we've been blessed to hear from some of our missionaries. You know, we just came out of this amazing missions conference, and my goodness, what an incredible week it was. I wish all of you could have experienced, been here, witnessed, talked to, and got to meet these missionaries. My prayer is that you will be able to catch the passion and the fire that we all felt as we listened to them, prayed with them, fellowship together. That's what I'm hoping is going to catch fire with you today. And so today we are especially blessed to have with us on the podcast, Angela Maltamorano. Did I say that right? Altamirano, yes. Yeah, yeah, I said it right. Guys, I tried to practice that, but here's a little bit of information about Angie. Angie is originally from Adamsville, Alabama. Folks, that's just something right there because I know right where that is. She has served in Honduras for 25 years. It is there that she met her husband of 12 years, Eduardo, and together they have three children, two at home, no Amy I hope I said it right 11 years old and Danny six years old and one Mario who is awaiting them in their eternal home Angie has a bachelor's degree in early childhood and elementary education a master's in ministry from the Bible seminary in Mexico and a master's in mental health counseling from Lee University she is the founder and director of anchor of hope ministry and is passionate about serving and reaching the most vulnerable vulnerable children and families with the message of hope in Christ Jesus. Welcome, Angie. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here with you. I am so excited about this. I have loved uh, getting to know everybody, but on Wednesday night, Angie was part of uh, the missionary group that got to kind of speak a little bit. And I knew when when she was sharing, I was like, my goodness, everyone needs to hear this. I wish the whole church, everyone, everywhere needs to hear this. So I was thrilled that we worked this out for you to be on the podcast today. And I want everyone to kind of get to know you. So I know where Adamsville, Alabama is, but introduce the listener. uh, What and where is Adamsville, Alabama? Adamsville, Alabama is a just a dot on the map northwest of Birmingham, Alabama. Yes, and and we are, of course, our nonprofit, we have a thrift store there in Adamsville. So I was just shocked to know, oh my goodness, it is a small world after all. It truly is. <laughs> so you grew up there, you went to school there, your whole life that was home. So I know you eventually left. What what caused you to leave Adamsville, Alabama? <laughs> well, I went to college at the University of Montevallo, and ah. after graduating, I had the opportunity to serve for three months, I thought, as a volunteer <laughs> in Honduras. And uh, when God opened that door, I said, okay, God, I'll give you three months, and then I'm <laughs> going back to my plan. And uh, three months came and went, and I didn't have a piece. Mm-hmm. I loved what I was doing, um, but I didn't see myself there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good thing, I think, God showed me little bits at a time, because I think if he would have shown me the full picture up to this point, mm-hmm. uh, from the very beginning, I probably would have turned around kicking and screaming and saying, no, 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 I'm not doing that. You're not taking me there. Uh, So I think he showed me three months at a time um, uh, 
until it came to a point where I just surrendered and I said, mm-hmm. okay, God, um, whatever mm-hmm. you have for me, just show me what you want me to do. So I was there for three months as a volunteer mm-hmm. after, after graduating college and then uh, went back for another three months and then another three months. Mm-hmm. And after about a year, I just surrendered and said, yeah, I know I'm here to serve children. Wow. I have no idea how because there's thousands of children yeah. in need. Uh-huh. Um, so you just show me and point me in that direction. And wow. so 25 years later, <laughs> here I am still. Ah, yes. wow. So now growing up in, in Adamsville, were you, um, were you going to church growing up? And that's how you kind of got connected to it, the passion, the heart for missions? I'm so grateful that I've always had God in my life. My mm-hmm. mother, especially in, in the early years, she was the um, spiritual head of our household until I was 15. My father then became became so, and oh. I'm grateful for that. Um, so I never knew life without God. Mm-hmm. I knew, I didn't realize there was a relationship needed until I was about nine, mm-hmm. and then um, I loved I loved Him. I, I had a passion for Christ from a young age, and I'm so grateful for that. But missions was never. Um, something that I was exposed to very often. And so I had in my mind what a typical missionary was, Mm. and I was not that. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what you thought. (laughs) That's what I thought. Um, And so as I was graduating from... um, from college and I had my plan worked out and God began to shake me and I realized oh no my plan is not the plan Mm. that's going forward and I was scared because I was very much a planner Mm -hmm. from a very young age and uh, I said I knew I wanted to be what I wanted to be from the time I was three years old I wanted to be a teacher and a mommy Ah, literally, really? I never changed my never changed my mind, mm-hmm. and I do believe that God placed that in my heart as a small child mm-hmm. because that's what I am today, but in a total different context. Wow! And um, you know, because I was looking at the world through my lens, yeah, not as a global lens and not as God's lens in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I did not realize what a missionary was. I only was only ex- exposed to maybe two or three mm-hmm. in my life uh, before I became one, and. Yeah. So for me, a missionary was an older married couple with, uh, the, the lady would have a big gray bun <laughs> on the top of her head. Okay, you know, I hear the you. The bug eye glasses, <laughs> the polyester suit, and spiritual giants. Ah. And I was 21, about mm. to graduate from college. And I'm like, you know, I literally told my mother when we were discussing this, and I said, look at me, mother. God would not call me to be mm. a missionary. Mm. Never say what God will not do. Amen to that. And I do believe that I had kind of created a, you know, in my head the mold of what a missionary was. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that God is not a mold maker. Amen. He's a mold breaker. Ooh, girl, say that. That's good. <laughs> and so I was, I broke the mold of what I thought, yeah. you know, was that. And I'm so grateful that He looked beyond mm. that and um, allowed me the privilege to go and serve him and to serve the the children and the people of Honduras. Yes. So did you did you speak Spanish when you went? I mean, I'm trying. I just know what. Okay, folks, I know what Alabamians sound like <laughs> <laughs> when I try to speak, whether it's Spanish or Portuguese or you know, my son laughs at me and says, "Mom, you speak it with a Southern accent." <laughs> so was that a challenge for you? Yes, to some extent. Uh, when I first went down, I had only been exposed to two years of high school Spanish, which mm. was Not very a, yeah. minimal, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to say the least. When I went to college, I thought science would be easier. Why mm. did I need another language? 
Oh my goodness. My zoology and my geology are coming in handy right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh well. Um, so anyways, um, I went down with very limited Spanish okay. and I lived with a Honduran family at the, that time. Mm. Uh, I didn't know anything different but mm-hmm. what the typical was. So I yeah. was riding on public transportation in a third world country oh um, and you know, walking the streets uh, and working with children in the streets. because you know, as, as well as uh, children in an orphanage. Yeah. So the language that I learned uh, was more of what not to say to begin with <laughs> than what to say. Because you can imagine when you're sitting with street kids yeah. and you're sharing some food there and, you know, the words that they're telling you um, just seem natural and normal. So um, I thank God that uh, to begin with, um, my husband was not my, you know, was not my husband in the beginning. Okay. We were great friends and um, I had enough trust in him to call him up and say, uh, Eduardo, can you help me with this word? I want to make sure it's an okay word. And yeah. oftentimes he would say, uh, <clears throat> where did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea. I was like, oh, <laughs> what, what, what is that? <laughs> right. And so he would have to explain to me, he goes, I'll tell you this once what this means, but do not repeat it. <laughs> and so, Don't say that word yes, again. <laughs> yes. So oftentimes, especially in the beginning, when I was uh, would do training sessions or things like that and in the church or in other um, aspects, I would have to preface it mm-hmm. you know, and say, if I say something inappropriate or I mispronounce something, please do not be offended and <laughs> just let me know what I said. <laughs> so it's not I, intentional. It was not intentional. <laughs> you yeah. learned literally while you were there yes. the language. Yes. I'm telling you, that takes a bold, bold step. You had to have known that you were called to do it. Did you ever question that? Well, as I said in the beginning, I thought I was only going to be a temporary call, mm. you know, three months, and then, okay, another three months. Um, there have been hard times, I won't lie. There have been moments where I could say, God, I don't like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a couple of moments, of, of course, in 25 years, and I think mm-hmm. anyone in ministry at any time, there's going to be a moment that you want to just throw in the towel. True. Yeah, you know, This is just, I don't have to deal with this. I yeah. mean, I, I, about 10 years in, I had a pity party uh-huh. for a moment. And I almost, I was like, God, I don't have to put up with this. I can go back and have a nine to five job and have and leave the job and I have to worry about it. I love what I do. I love the kids that I'm working with, but I can't take it anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, what held me there, one, of course, was the love that I had for the people, but two was just the fact that I knew I was called. Wow. I might not like it in this moment, mm-hmm. but I know God has me here. And if he has me here, he's gonna provide everything I need and not just the finances, not just the resources, but also the the emotional and um, the mental strength and the spiritual strength that I need to surpass whatever was passing in that time. That's so good. You've been in Honduras 25 years. Tell us what a day in the life of a missionary in Honduras, what is your day like? What are you doing uh, as a missionary there in Honduras? I don't have a typical day in the life. <laughs> I wish I did. There's moments I wish I had a regular regimen and, and routine. Uh, what I do now is very different, of course, than what I was doing 25 years ago. Um, I now am uh, direct uh, the ministry that's called Anchor of Hope, um, and that takes me in numerous directions because we have a home for children. Uh, that's that was how we began. That's my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, are the are, are the vulnerable, abused. Uh, traumatized children. Uh, yeah, so I'm sometimes working on the part directly hands-on with them. Sometimes it's uh, legal things. You know, we also have the school uh, that we scholarship in children um, from the local community that have no other options mm. of education. So we provide them uh, with 
a, a private education, which is major down there. Okay. And uh, we also take advantage of that opportunity to train the, the parents. So we have uh, parent training classes mm. um, that everything, of course, um, centers around Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, our name, Hope. You know, Hope uh-huh. House is our home for children. Hope Christian Academy is our school. We have Hope Fountain that is a um, water provision uh-huh. ministry. So there's there are families in our neighbor mm-hmm. in our community that do not have access to water and so they have the opportunity to come twice a week and they hear the gospel and they bring in their recipients and fill it up so they're they're taking water to live but they're also getting the living water at the same time Um, and so we do other you know so my day is full of those things as well as you know uh, hope kids which is like kids crusades with all the children that we are involved in in the ministry and uh you know sometimes we have dental clinics that come in and Mm -hmm. uh, provide free dental and sometimes medical care Mm -hmm. to our children the children of the school as well as the community and again christ is the center of all things yes uh, sending the message of hope so do you do you guys uh, bust the children in how do you find these vulnerable children how do you find them oh do they find you it's not difficult ah. <laughs> there is a huge need there's a huge need the children from the homes come through the government okay. uh, we are called on a regular basis mm-hmm. um, you know basically begging us to take children in and that's very difficult at times because also we have to realize you know, there's thousands in need and if we try to fix the mm-hmm. lives of thousands yeah. well, that sounds bad to fix it but to really pour ourselves into them we're not going to be able to do it 100 percent. Right. and uh, so we have to be very cautious and bringing in the ones that we know okay we we can up to this point um and that's that's one of the hardest things for me is to mm-hmm. say i have to say no yeah, um, yeah but yeah. if we don't have if we don't have the resources or the means to do so or the space to do so um the children um from the school there's yeah, the community is lo- is large enough to have. There's plenty of children there wow. um, who are needing also um, a good, solid Christian mm. education. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's we we don't have to bust them in. <laughs> there wow. they come they, from. They find you all around. Yes, and people that are looking for that kind of resource for the children. Uh, you know, I know Honduras. For those that do not understand this, Honduras is considered a third world country. Correct. Yes. yes. So it, you know, things that we take for granted in the states uh, is just hard to find as a resource there. I, I've been. I've done a missions trip to Honduras before, and uh, I recall on one occasion. Um, we had uh you know some a dentist on our team with us and uh we had decided we were um we were going to take um a truck and go as far as we could and then we were going to backpack up this mountain mm-hmm. to get to a school that was way like in the rainforest way up there and then we were going to just teach them how to brush their teeth you know take some yes. dental den- uh, dental supplies and so forth but after we get there and i want the listeners to understand this because i know for me it was an eye-opening experience but after we get there um and we're with at the school in this really remote place this woman shows up with a baby and she had walked it had taken her two days i don't know exactly how if she'd walk and then stop and stay so i don't know how this worked but she got there thinking we were a medical team and her baby had scabies and she was wanting us to help her baby and i thought to myself my god 
do people in the states understand that things that we can just run up to urgent care and take care of for our children this mm-hmm. woman has walked has is looking for a help for her baby do you find that that is still the case in honduras that there's just not the medical the dental the educational help the listeners understand that very much so and that that's the reality of so many people in honduras um access to like like i said just clean water Mm. Yeah, that we just we go to the sink. Yes, hello. I need some water to turn on the sink and and drink. Uh Um, You know, access to clean water, uh, medical care is is very limited, Um, especially in the rural areas. You know, dental care and just in in education. Mm -hmm. Um, The further you go on up uh, into the more rural areas, I mean, in in the city you can find universities. You go out a little bit further, you can get to high school. You get out further up to sixth grade. A little bit mm-hmm. further, only to third grade, and then there's areas that have no, it has no education whatsoever, mm-hmm. and so th- these are areas that, um, you know, as an American, mm-hmm. you know, we we t- truly take for granted. Yeah. I mean, there is need. I'm not. I will not deny that at all. There's great need here in in the United States, um, but there's also access to some help mm-hmm. um, where there there is none. Right. We don't have um, any any governmental help. We don't have the local. Um, Shelters. We we don't have the food banks that are as available as they are are here in the United States. Right. But you went in and you started this ministry Mm -hmm. because the Lord burned that in your heart. And can you kind of give us an idea of like how many children you have seen the Lord minister to through your ministry? Oh wow. Um, well, as as far as the home for children, and that's where we bring in kids who have suffered a, abuse of every kind, mm-hmm. uh, kids who have been abandoned, um, you know, kids who have been on the streets begging, uh, you know, kids who have no other options. Uh, we've had at least we we have at least sixty there that we have attended to through the time. I have some now who have um, grown up, uh, have gotten wow. their education. And are now, you know, families of their own, professionals uh, serving the Lord. You know, that that is the greatest mm. um, victory, I guess. In some men's victory is a horrible word for that, I guess, but it's a but victory it for the Lord. It is, you know, because the enemy thought that he mm-hmm. had his grasp, and he, mm-hmm. I truly think that he focuses on the children, yeah. um, because he, if he could win the kids mm-hmm. he's he's won the culture completely yeah um not just for today but tomorrow and and in, in generation to come yeah and so um you know when we have ripped them from his grasp mm. and you know with the with help of the lord we have we have seen them transform and Praise like god. i said they begin to um you know we have some that have like i said graduated from the university and now our professionals i have one who is a psychologist and is also l- trying to become a lawyer now as well and is also a, we have a minister we have a, a teacher who also is serving uh children as well we have another one who came on board uh, of our staff mm. um who is working with our transitional program for the kids who are um 18 and up Mm -hmm. and uh, another one who is now our uh, campus director for the home for children Mm. who's come back after getting their studies and 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 having the experience outside of of the homes and then coming back saying you know what i need i need to serve back i need to give back can i can at least work here for two years wow that's amazing it's beautiful so 
in the homes we've seen at least 60 come through in the school you know we attend up to about 60 Mm -hmm. a year right now Uh, it's growing but we had to stop this year we don't fit anymore (laughs) in Ah, our building okay Um, so we said okay this year we're not bringing any new new students in as although that we had a waiting list of families who needed their children to get an education but we have no space right and the the means to do it at the moment so um, you know I can't tell you a number exact because it, it changes at least the school has 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 had at least 150 come through wow. you know the homes have had at least 60 come through plus the ones who are um, the families in the community right. and in our fountain and in other aspects that we have there's no worked. telling how many lives you've actually impacted if somebody wanted to get information about your ministry and how to uh, maybe even connect with helping or serving where would they go how would they do that i'm embarrassed to say at the moment our website is not up and running, but uh, we are on Facebook, um, Anchor of Hope Dash Hope House. Um, you can find us there, uh, or you can email um, Hope House Honduras three at gmail.com wonderful wonderful and i would love that uh maybe doing some trips down there would help open eyes to people who maybe don't think of it being a third world country and the needs that are there um how could you encourage someone today um who may be listening um who who's you know just kind of caught up in their own world where there is uh you know they think oh you know i need this i need this i need this how could you encourage them to get a better perspective on what really is needed and then to reach out and be that blessing to others don't you find that by reaching out and giving of yourself when you were talking about that you left home as a young woman you left and you gave to people you had no idea you know that god would have you go and do that for and he has just been faithful to you through all this how could you help someone just by faith give back to your community give back to a some ministry and see what god will do in your life how could you encourage them first of all you asked about how you know when someone is living in a life that they don't realize how blessed we really are Mm -hmm. Just step outside of your comfort zone first, and and even here, and uh, we we had the opportunity to go and have a little tour mm-hmm. of of South Florida, and I mean, there's need here. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to leave the country to see need. Mm. Um, so first of all, just open your eyes and heart to see who's around you. Um, if you have the opportunity to come to Honduras, for example, or any other country, you know, do so yeah. to see the reality of how the majority of the world really lives Mm. um but at the same time you know i think it's important as you said to serve to give back when you open your heart to someone else uh your whole mindset begins to change when you allow the lord to use you and i think it's important for people to realize that we are our only limitation on being used by god um i think many people are hesitant because i can't Mm. for whatever reason there may be yeah um we can make excuses yeah it's easy to make excuses and it's easy to limit ourselves but you know let me just say real quick um the, the home for children that we have we teach our children there and you're talking orphan kids traumatized kids abused kids they are learning to give back that has been the biggest therapy for them, I think, than anything else. Awesome. When they can see that God can still use them, mm-hmm. you know, I, we say all the time, you know, you, we may, we may have, we always be waiting to receive. Yes, we live by faith 
And God has been so gracious, and I'm so grateful for that. But that does not give us an excuse to not be able to do for others. We have two two hands. We have two feet. We have a mouth that can smile and speak his word. So there's no no reason we can just stand back and not do. Mm. So we have created opportunities for them. Um, Whenever God has provided a little extra to be able to provide with the community, even if not, we go out in the community with them and do, um, if there's nothing else, then cleaning projects and going to people's houses and explaining why we're doing it or or taking them along with us whenever we serve um, in the the communities or in other parts of the country. Um, There's never an excuse Mm. to not serve. God has done so much in each of our lives. We cannot deny that. Amen. And if he has done that for us, he's done that for a purpose. We're not Amen. blessed just to sit in that blessing. That's right. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. And so I, I want to encourage people yeah. to not let yourself be your limitation because Ooh. God has no limits. Amen. And so don't don't make excuses and don't limit yourself and mm. don't limit God yes. because that is what we're doing when we make excuses or we say, I'm not good enough or I can't. If an orphan child in a third world country living in an orphanage, I don't like calling it an orphanage, I like it home for children, but that's home basically where it is. Right. Um, can, if, but if they can reach out and make mm-hmm. a difference to others, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people's lives have been touched by these children. Wow. Not just by, by me, not mm-hmm. by the adults, but these kids have made an impact on so many people. If they can do it, Mm. I want to tell the listeners, what's your excuse? What, what are, what's limiting you? That's good. And step out in faith and watch how God will use you. That's so good. You hear it, Cooper City, right there. There's your challenge for today. Take action. There's no excuse. Even in your brokenness today, yes. do something to minister to someone else and see what God will do. That is so good. Would you do me a favor, Angie, and just pray for that listener who maybe that's resonating with them right now and Holy Spirit's dealing with their heart to take action. Okay, Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks today, Father, because you are so, so good. We thank you, Father, because you provide all the needs that we have. And Lord, I pray specifically today for the listeners that are that are out there, and especially those who, in this moment, maybe feel broken and feel like they they cannot be used. But but Lord, I pray that you will give them the strength and the direction to go beyond their brokenness Mm -hmm. and give and see and see that there's others that need and through their doing and through their their giving and and ministering to others father that you will bring wholeness back into their lives and um, i pray that if there's any that are limiting themselves and doubting that they can be used by you father i pray that you will just cast out that thought Mm -hmm. and help them to remember that if you can use an orphan to minister and bring wholeness to a life they can be used as well, Father. And I give them, pray they the strength, and I pray direction, mm-hmm. and I pray that you will be glorified, Father, through it all. And thank you, Father, for Cooper City. Thank you for the blessing that they are and for the, this fearless podcast. And I pray your blessings upon them. Mm-hmm. And as they continue to um, reach out to others, Father, I pray that uh, your hope will be a light into this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, that was good. Well, have you registered to be a part of one of our fearless prayer groups? This year we are praying over families, and we want to include your family in our prayers. So make sure and go to coopercitygroups.com and register to be part of one of these groups 
as we are just praying for households this year at Cooper City Church of God, we are going to see households healed and set free and household salvations in 2023. So we look forward to connecting with you. And thank you so much, Angie. This was incredible. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us here on the Fearless Journey podcast. I hope you all leave encouraged wherever and whenever you're listening. We can't wait for you to hear more from our fearless women as we share new stories every Friday. Until next time, let's go live fearless.